today is a special day for us. We are rolling out our new logo this morning. You might have seen the shirts out in the lobby. If not, we've got free t-shirts out there. I encourage you to go get one. They're, they're pretty awesome. I just got to show you real quick. They got the new logo. Wear them all over the place. They're great, all right? So uh, we are so passionate, though, about our mission here at Anderson Hills. And a logo is a nice thing. It's an important thing. You need it. But we're not all about logos, okay? And if you're visiting today, I want to say that this week and next week are kind of special weeks for us. We're focusing on our church's vision, and so that means our sermons are a little bit different than usual. Usually we're much more uh, driven by Scripture, and uh, this, this week we are kind of, uh, we're focusing on those things. Um, so I want to invite you to continue on, but then to join us in a couple weeks where we'll be diving into the book of Job. It's going to be a really powerful series. You know, for, as a church... Sometimes we, uh, we change things so that we can remain relevant, um, and things like logos and branding stuff is part of that. Um, many of you are familiar with this stuff from your time in business. Um, in fact, just got an example here. There's a, a little a local company. I wanted to share one of their former logos. Um, that's a, um, Procter & Gamble. You might have heard from them of them. Um, that's one of their favorite products, too, Ivory Soap. Uh, it's started in the 1800s, and they tell us it's about the same today, in fact, as it was then. I love they say they'll change the formula when dirt changes its formula, so (laughs) fair enough. But the funny thing about that logo, there were actually, no joke, there were people who said it is satanic because they thought there was an upside-down 666 in there. Now, I'll just tell you, somebody who studies the Bible, that is nonsensical, okay? Uh, P&G, not satanic, okay? In fact, there were some who said that they were, that Proctor was actually tithing to the church of Satan, which is an absurd allegation. I bet it came from some Johnson & Johnson people, right? (laughs) But, but the thing is, we know they're not, right? Because because Satan doesn't need Procter and Gamble's money. I mean, come on. Satan has lots of other sources of income. He's got drug cartels. He's got strip clubs. He's got sales of Pittsburgh Steelers merchandise. There's <laughs> lots and lots of different ways. So that's not it at all. But, but if we look here today at Procter's newer logo, right, we see how it's fresh, modern, right? It, it fits our times well, better than a man in the moon who looks a little odd in today's terms, right? So logos change, but the mission remains the same, okay? We're not changing the mission of our church. That is from Jesus. Our mission, we, you know, there may be times that wording gets adapted, but at the end of the day, the mission comes straight from Jesus. Let's read it here aloud together. We exist to glorify God and produce fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who transform the world. That's why we're here. Just a few highlights there. We exist to glorify God, to worship God, what we're doing right here and now. There's nothing better that can be done than to worship God, than to give ourselves to the Lord. Nothing more important than that. Um, Second, um, we don't come here just to get a crowd at this church and say, oh, we got a bunch of people, isn't that nice? No, we exist to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. The biblical term for that is a disciple, someone who loves Jesus, who wants to know him more and more, who wants to center their lives, their life around a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's who we're looking to be, fully devoted followers of Jesus, okay? Um, And third, It's not just for our own benefit. We do this for the transformation of the world. 
so that the world can be transformed, the world can be changed, because God is so good that he actually chooses to work through us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we are, we're not exceptional people. I'm not trying to insult you, but we're normal people around here. If you thought everybody's exceptional, just stick around. You'll see, we're normal, okay? Very normal people who God chooses, we pray that God chooses to use in powerful ways. This is our mission. This is what we're all about. And we're not ashamed of it. Romans 1, chapter 16 gives us kind of, or verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of this good news or gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and then the Gentile. That we are so, we are all in. We are all in for for the gospel. That's what we're all about. So I wanted to lay that foundation first because that's way more important than any logo here. But, but this is our logo. We're excited about it. We are thankful for it. Um, we had a team of people from Anderson Hills that met together with, a, um, with some professionals. Uh, we talked all day about the church and who we are. They went away, gave us a bunch of concepts, and we eventually came to this. And let me kind of give you the, the meaning behind it. Uh, church logos today are pretty simple and straightforward. But uh, this one has seven hills, uh, which, of course, you know in Cincinnati there are famously seven hills. We refer to ourselves as the city of seven hills. Uh, Also, the number seven on a deeper level is very significant in Scripture. The number seven is a number that represents completion. God created the heavens and the earth in seven days. When Abraham made a covenant with God and he sacrificed seven lambs that day. When Jews would borrow money from each other, they had to uh, forgive that loan on the seventh year. When Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, there are seven petitions there. there when Jesus spoke from the cross, that he gave seven different statements from the cross. And that's not even getting into the book of Revelation, which has sevens all over and lots of symbolism. Okay, So there's some powerful symbolism the, uh, the lines also are, are they're, they're bold and they're strong. They're, they display confidence. And we are confident not in us, but we're confident in Jesus and his gospel. And they, dis- they dis- define that. Also, that it feels like kind of some, some motion in these. And that means we're a church that's on the move. We're not just content to just sit back and just kind of, you know, like, hey, we're okay. No, we want to be moving forward. And finally, the two sets of hills, they have some, some, almost some depth there, a little bit of distance, like you're looking in the rearview mirror. And that symbolizes the fact that we are a church with an amazing legacy, 200 years of faithfulness, saints who have gone on before us, and that we stand here today thanks to the power of God working through them. And we don't ever want to forget or minimize that. That is central to who we are. So that's kind of some thinking behind the logo. I know you're like, wow, I thought it was just a few lines, but there's more to it. That's, that's kind of our, our thought process behind all of that. We also, in this process, we looked, uh, we, we came to uh, three words that really define the church pretty well, I think. Um, both who we are and who we aspire to be. The first of these words is growing. We are called to be a growing church, meaning, first of all, personally, that we are people who grow in our faith. We don't just sit tight and, uh, you know, just try to repeat the same year over and over. No, we want to grow closer to Jesus. So we read our Bibles, we pray, 
We seek Him. This is central to who we are. We are growing. Also, we are growing as a, as a body, a church body as well. Um, that, now, I know that not every year we'll be up into the right. That's life sometimes. But the fact is, there are so many people around us who need to know the good news of Jesus. So many people. And it's our job to share that good news with them. And when we do that effectively, it's natural that we grow, that they, they come and be part of this. I'm thankful. Last year, our total worship attendance went up by 10%. Our student ministry grew by 11.5%. And our children's ministry, get this, our children's ministry grew by 19% last year. I'm thanking God for that, because that's God's work. Growth comes from God. Growth comes from God. And it matters because these aren't just numbers. These are people. These are lives changed. And, and, and I'm so passionate about that. So we're about growth. Second, family. We are a church family. And hear me, this does not mean that you're unwelcome if you're a single. No, 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 not at all. This means that we, we as a whole, we are a church family called to love one another, to serve one another, to grow together in faith, to, to support each other through the ups and the downs. That's so important at this church. We are a church family. And yes, we are also all in for, for the growth of families within our church. We're all about marriages growing closer to one another, husbands and wives. We're all about families with kids, uh, parents feeling supported and empowered as they raise their children. These things are so important to us. Family means a lot to us. And finally, my favorite, spirit-filled. They all matter, but I think this one's the most important. Because this is where the power is at. The power is not from charisma. The power is not from strategic planning. The power is not from, from big ideas. Even though these things all matter, we need them. Those things only mean anything if empowered by the Holy Spirit. Anything we do around here that is not of the Holy Spirit, I don't want it. I don't want it. There's no room for it. Because we are all about being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, being used by the Holy Spirit. So when we baptize a baby, right, we, the Holy Spirit is at work in those moments, affirming that this child is part of God's covenant family. And so we have a duty to raise this child here as not just parents, but as a church to support this family as they raise their baby and so that means when this child um, grows up a little bit and goes to our children's ministry, we're responsible to help teach them about faith in Jesus Christ, to share with them the stories of the Bible. We give them Bibles several times throughout their childhood because we want them to love God's Word, to be centered, to center their lives on this. Then when that child gets a little older and becomes a teenager and starts to kind of push back on mom and dad and all of these things like we all tend to do at that age, we want our student ministry to help them to find a faith that is truly their own. Not just a replication of mom and dad's faith, but a faith that will carry them throughout their whole life. A faith that, that, that they will know Jesus loves them personally, gave his life for them personally. That is so central to us. How does that happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by our strength, the power of the Holy Spirit. Then as we grow we get involved in life groups and bands. We, we confess our, our successes and our struggles, our sins and our shortcomings. All these things we confess to one another. We support and encourage each other because we need each other. We, we can't do this life alone. And in those relationships, the Holy Spirit moves in power. 
the Holy Spirit uses us to be that iron sharpening iron supporting one another. But we're all about that. And then as we, as we grow, we, we grow older sometimes and we need the support of others, maybe with health issues or with transitions as our kids grow up and move out. And then as we retire from work someday and then as we age, we support one another. And the Holy Spirit is at work in this. And finally, the Holy Spirit is with us when we lay our loved ones to rest. When we trust them into the arms of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with us filling us with this hope, knowing that we don't grieve like everybody else does. We grieve, but we have hope because we are a resurrection people. And we know we're going to see them again. That the goodbyes we do in this sanctuary are actually, we'll see you later. We'll see you soon in heaven. The Holy Spirit is at work in and through us in so many ways throughout our entire lives. So who are we as a church? I want to read a sentence that, I th- that really summarizes what our vision is all about. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be a rooted community church who excels in reaching families with children and teens. Let me unpack this here. First, power of the Holy Spirit. We got that covered, right? Second, rooted. This is really important. We are, we've been around for 200 years, and we are rooted in Scripture, We are rooted in our doctrines. We are rooted in the teachings of John Wesley. We are rooted, we just read the Nicene Creed earlier, we are rooted in these things. This never changes. We will be rooted in these, we've been rooted in these things since we started. We will be rooted in these things someday when I am six feet under. These things are bigger than any one of us. This is who we are. We are rooted in truth. Also, we are a community church. We're not a megachurch, even though God uses megachurches in many great ways. We are a community church. We're all about the greater Anderson area. This is our home, and we love it. We love the people here. And we are called to, to serve them and to be here for them. And this is the size of church where it's large enough you can have specialized ministries, but small enough we can really get to know one another. We can have a variety of worship experiences that are powerful. Uh, you can, we, we can get to know uh, each other as staff and congregation and all this kind of stuff. It's really a, a great thing. And if you've got leadership gifts, you can get involved and serve and lead and shape the direction of this church. It's a community church, and I love that. And third, we are called to excel in reaching families with children and teens. Now you might say, okay, well, why, why, why are we calling that out? I mean, we're called to love everybody, right? So why would we just say that? Well, a few things. One, this is, um, this is part of our history. It's a sacred part of our history. You go back about 30 years ago, uh, we would be probably the premier church here in this area for families with kids and teens. Um, we, in fact, many of you or some have told me that you joined the church in those days because you wanted to get our kid, your kid into the preschool, but to move your kid up on the wait list, you had to join the church. <laughs> That's probably strategic, I guess. But uh, I'm glad you stuck around, really, because your kid graduated a long time ago from preschool, <laughs> so I'm glad you're still here. But, you know, that was fine for then, but today there's tons of preschools in the area. You don't have to join a church to get your kid into preschool, right? So we have a great one. I'm thankful. We're going to keep doing that. But, but we've got to be, it's got to be broader than it used to be. 
The challenge is greater than it used to be. Our culture is not as focused on Jesus as it used to be. So we've got to double down on this, okay? It's so central. It's, it's who we've been. But bigger than that, bigger than that, is that this is our, our community. It's our mission field. People move here because they want to raise their kids and teens here. We've got some of the best schools in Cincinnati. We've got awesome neighborhoods. We've got great parks. We're a wonderful place to raise a family. And every church is responsible to meet its immediate mission field. If not us, then who? It's our job, us and other churches here in town. It's our job. And right this moment, there's tons of people sitting at home who don't know Jesus. There's tons of kids who could be in our children's ministry learning about Jesus. And and they're at home. And I want them to connect with us. I want them more so to connect with Jesus and that God would use us to do that. So that's really, really important. That's really sacred to us. But the biggest reason of all is much bigger than Cincinnati. If you read statistics, did you know that it depends on which study you read, but at least 80% of people who become Christians do so by the time they are 18 years old. Four out of five Christians make that decision for Jesus by the time they turn 18. Show of hands, how many of you that's true, that you accepted Jesus when you were 18 or younger? That would be a good 80%, I'm pretty sure. That we're normal. And so friends, this is a window that we cannot afford to miss. You only get to be 18 years or younger for about 18 years, right? math. I'm good. Seriously, we have a job to do. We never can be asleep at the switch here because our kids need to know Jesus. Our grandkids need to know Jesus. Our great-grandkids need to know Jesus. And it is hard to be a kid or a teenager today. I've got three teenagers. It's tough. It's tougher than when I was a teenager. And when I was a teenager, they said it was harder than ever. (laughs) Maybe they say that every generation, but I'm sure that's the case today. It's so difficult. We live in a world that oftentimes is not speaking the truth to them. That there's a lot of things that they can fall into that are not good for them, that are not God's will for them. And we want to be a voice of hope, of love, of truth in their lives. God's called us to do that. And so we're all in for this. We're all in for reaching families with children and teens. And you might say, okay, well, good, but... Didn't you just tell us we grew our children's ministry by like 19% last year? Like, can't you be happy with that, right? Shouldn't we? Well, for one, no, we can never be satisfied because there, because there are so many more who need to know. Until the vast majority of people in Anderson know Jesus, we, we can't be content with this. But, but we can always improve. And in vision casting, what we do is we decide, how are we gonna, what are we going to make our central focus to be? How are we going to attune our hearts and minds as a church? More, uh, what, what's going to be the center of that focus? And, and it's essential that we do this because I believe that we have much room to grow here. And next week we'll talk more about the how. We're talking about who we are this week. Next week we'll talk a little bit more about how. But as we begin to focus on this, I think we'll see opportunities. Let me just give you an obvious one that hit me not too long ago that I should have seen coming. We had a welcome lunch, and after that lunch, a child came up to me and said, can I go play on your playground? And of course, I gave the obvious answer, sure, why not? And then she looks at me, she goes, 
would you unlock it, please? And I said, being the you know, person who knows this church so very well, I said, it's locked. <laughs> and she looked at me like I must be the dumbest pastor she's ever seen before. We're like, of course it's locked. In fact, we have no less than five signs that tell you you are not welcome to play at our playground. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to be mean. I understand we do these things for security and, and you know, we're concerned about vandalism or whatever, but I know teenagers quite well, and I will tell you that that fence is not a teenager deterrent. <laughs> That's an encouragement. <laughs> That's what that sign is right there, okay? Look, if, if something happens to our toys, we'll have to fix them. I get it. I'm not too worried about our toys. I'm really concerned about people knowing Jesus. And so next week, we'll take the signs down. That's one little thing. That's not what I'm referring to. We're going to think a lot bigger than this. How can we be a place that is best calibrated to reach families with, with children and teens? Now, this is very important to hear. We, we, as we look at who we are today, um, we looked demographics recently. Uh, we just looked at our attendance since October. And we, uh, we have a variety of ages here at Anderson Hills, but we are literally double the average in people who are 65 and over, right? Now, hear me clearly. I'm not mad about that. I think that's awesome. That means for you, those of you who are 65 and older, we are crushing it, right? Like, you're doing awesome. You're inviting your friends, all this. This is great. We're literally double the population or the percentage of, of what Anderson would be. But the fact is, that's not really true to what our long-term history has been. We've been a church that has always gone out of our way to focus on families with kids and teens. Let me share why I believe this to be true. We've been around 100 years. Go back, uh, sorry, 200 years. If you go back the first 100 years, we were a small church. And then in the early 1920s, we began to grow more significantly. We outgrew our facility, and so we moved down the street. It's now Arby's down there, um, but it was, at the time, it was a power station. Were, were any of you here at that time? Okay, nobody's here today, I don't think, but we have some people still who were around at that time. This is from 1932. This is our church. It would be hard for you to see this, I know, but let me explain. There are five rows of people here. And of those five rows, the first three are all children and teens. They had some pretty exciting worship services, I bet, back then, because I don't think they had children's ministry in those days in the same way we do now. And then the next row is predominantly parents, and then the, the last row is a little bit more mixed in who's there. If you were going to look at that church and criticize, you'd say, you need more old people in this church, right? What's going on, right? You, got, you, you need to grow in that area. They, they matter too, right? And so, but we, this was, this was, this church is a church that, that God used to grow. And, and, and we were nicknamed Powerhouse Church because we were in that powerhouse. But we were truly a powerhouse of reaching families with young kids. We did it so well that we only lasted about 30 years in that site. We outgrew it. And some visionary people, some of whose families are in this church here today, saw this land, and they had the vision to see it, to buy it, to clear it, and to build that building right over there where our kids are right now, that front section of that, right? And that was, that was our first building, 1953. 
we kept on growing so radically that just four years later, this great room opened up. Wow, isn't that amazing to think about? And we'd keep on growing and adding buildings in time, right? And God would grow us. We are a growing church. It's part of our history. We were, and of course, Anderson was growing rapidly then too. That's awesome. But a lot of churches didn't grow in that season. And God used us to reach people and to reach families. Now, if you're here and you're hearing this today or you're online and, you're, and you think, boy, it doesn't sound like older people matter there. Let me tell you, if you're getting that, I have completely fallen short because that is the opposite of what I'm saying. We are so well positioned to do this because we have so many folks around who've been on this earth for a while. Proverbs, listen to what Proverbs says. It says, um, actually let me skip this one for a minute. Let's go to Proverbs. Um, Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. I love that. I'm looking around, I'm seeing some crowns of glory out there. (laughs) Praise Jesus. And maybe I could see a couple others if it weren't for Lady Clarol or whatever, right? Like, (laughs) I get it, it's okay. This is an amazing thing, that having, we are a multi-generational church, which means that we've got the opportunity, I think, to be extremely effective at not only reaching young families, but being here a church family together. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just one age group. The kingdom of God is so much bigger than this. And we live in a, in a world today where these, like, these generational battles are a hot thing right now. And it's nonsense. Like this cartoon here, right? You've got, got this older guy calling a younger guy a snowflake, right? And he's like, okay, Boomer, what do you have to offer, right? And we hear all these things. And like Gen, uh, the Gen Z does this and millennials do that. And they're so terrible, right? And that's nonsense. Do you remember where you were at at that age? Probably not the same level of maturity you are today. I hope not. Otherwise, the past few decades haven't done you much good, right? They're growing, right? They need to grow too, but they have a lot to offer. And sometimes the younger generations look at the older ones and say, you're irrelevant. We don't need you. What do you know anyway? (laughs) That's flat stupid. We need the wisdom of those who've been around a few decades here on this earth to give us that wisdom. I, I love being in the church where we have a literally a 107-year-old here at this church. Praise God. What a gift. A multi-generational church is very much needed in our society. We will resist these nonsensical generational battles. And instead, instead we will be a church family that loves one another, that goes all in to do whatever we need to do to reach that next generation of families with kids and teens. We'll do whatever it takes because that is who we are called to be. Psalm 145, I'm going to read this a lot this year. You might get tired of it eventually. I don't care because it's so powerful. We're going to read it together today, all right? Would you read with me? Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. God, let that be true of Anderson Hills Church. Let us be a church who proclaims your mighty acts. Let us be a church that is so, so focused on reaching families with children and teens, God, that we'll do whatever it takes that because we know that your gospel is so good and we're called to share it. 
God, we want to proclaim your mighty acts. You have been faithful in this church's history. You have been faithful in our past, and you are faithful in our present, God. God, we praise you for the lives that are going to be changed. We praise you for the families that are going to be saved. We praise you for the children that are going to be baptized and confirmed. We praise you for the next generation of leaders that are going to be raised up. You've been doing it here for 200 years, God. Do it bigger. Do it bigger. By the power of your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would do even greater things. For God, you are so faithful, you are so righteous, you are so holy. We love you, God, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.